welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. So how are we doing today, okay? Good. It's good to see you. Please take out um, your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Tonight's message is titled, Abandon All for the Call. Abandon All for the Call. At one time, the president of Wheaton College in Illinois was a godly man by the name of Raymond Edmond. He has written many books on discipline, worship, and godliness. He was speaking at a special chapel meeting which had been called because he had been sick for a while and he had asked for the opportunity to speak to the student body. He always liked to talk to his students about reverencing God. He would say worship is a serious matter. At this chapel, he was talking about this theme about worshiping God and was illustrating his point by telling of his recent visit to Haile Selassie, who was at that time the emperor of Ethiopia, and he was explaining how challenging it was to be prepared to meet this king. The briefings, the routines that had to be followed, and how he had to bow with respect when he came into the king's presence. He then said we must in the same way prepare to meet our Jesus. We must enter into his presence and hallow hallow his name. At that very moment, Raymond Edmonds slumped onto the pulpit, fell onto the floor, and entered into the presence of his king. One student who was there said for the first few moments we came to life. The dividing line between heaven and earth suddenly dissolved and we were no longer restless college students with textbooks on our laps, worried about exams the next hour and dates this coming weekend. We had joined angels and archangels around the throne and our president was ushered into heaven. People afterwards said Raymond had the easiest transition from earth to heaven than anyone they had ever met. No groaning or grunting to get out of this life to the next. He had spent so much time in the presence of God down here, he just changed locations and went into his presence up there. You and I need to pray and worship more, don't we? As we look at Acts 13, I want to ask you a few questions. Where is God calling you to go? What is He calling you to get involved in? Do you know your calling? Why the delay? What excuses, excuses do you make? Let's take a look at the first three verses of Acts chapter 13. Now in the church, 
that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now if you look at the map right now that I have up there, the red line starting on the right in Syria is the beginning of Paul's first uh, missionary journey. So you'll see the map up there a few times tonight, and you can follow sort of where um, Saul went. Now in those first three verses, now the church that was in Antioch, that was the capital of Syria. And there were certain prophets and teachers. One was Barnabas, and his name means son of rest. You see, when you and I are in the place where God wants us to be, even though there's turmoil and chaos, we have rest. He was a Levite from Cyprus, and you can see Cyprus, the island right up there. That's where Barnabas was from. Then we have Simeon, who was called Niger. His name means hearkening, listen, or proclaim. You know, as a child of God, as a daughter or a son of God, it's important that we listen to what God has to say, amen, through his word. Through what other people say to us in the power of the Holy Spirit, listening. And also proclaiming, telling others what God is showing us. Then there was Lucius of Cyrene. His name means light, bright, and white. In a dark world that's getting darker, it was dark back then, it's darker now, it's important for you and I as children of the living God to let the light of God shine through us in a world that's getting darker. Jesus is the light of the world, but he also says we are the light of the world as we allow him to work in and through us. Menean, his name means comforter. That's another thing that all of us should have in common. We bring comfort to other people. Now notice all these people were from different areas. Even this last fella, Menean, had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Imagine Herod's influence, what it could have been on him. But yet God could break through ungodly influences to raise someone up that was going to be used by him. And of course, we have Saul. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord, and that's what we want to look at right now. That word, minister to the Lord, how do you do that? What does that mean? The first job of any servant, of any child of God, is by his mercy to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Holy means simply you're set apart 
to be used by him. He pours out his grace on you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit equips you to do works of service to glorify God the Father. Ministering to the Lord is the first job of any servant. It's to spend time with Him. Doing things that please and honor God. You can serve Jesus in various ways. But one of the most important ways is what we just did with our three worship songs. Just worship in the Lord. No matter how we feel. Happy, sad, or indifferent. We worship Him. We give Him the glory. We give Him the rightful place. So as we minister to the Lord, we can do that and should be doing it one-on-one. One-on-one with Jesus. Worshiping Him. Praying to Him simply means talking to Him. Just talking to Him. And listening to Him. Have your Bible with you. Pray through your Bible, whatever you're reading. Just pray it. See how the Lord speaks through His Word. Talking about salvation, teaching others about Him. Allowing God to use you to touch another life. These are some of the ways we can minister to the Lord. The next part of that verse 2 says, And fast and they fasted. Let's look at that word, fasting. Fasting is a way to focus and seek God in a special way. To be more intense when you're seeking His face. It's an undivided devotion. You're giving up something in order to do and sit and minister to the Lord. You're giving up something. Remember, fasting is something that changes us. It doesn't change God. It changes us, our heart, our outlook. In Acts 13, they look to God to spread the gospel worldwide here in these first few verses. They're praying. They're fasting. We're going to see the laying on of hands before they send these guys out. God uses people who seek Him and have a deeper fellowship with Him. Are we seeking the Lord? Are we intense in our seeking? Do you have a burden for others but want others to do that work? Let me say that one again. Let this one sink in. Do you have a burden but you want others to do the work that you're feeling? Or if you are you actively involved in the things the Lord is putting in your path? A church can only exist when the members in the church are contributing and they're actively involved in the church. God uses... And sends people who want to do the work. If you're in the category 
of a person who's doing that work, praise God. If you're not, pray to God to change your heart because of, I know I've said it many times and other people up here have said it, being a believer in Jesus and a son and daughter of God is not a spectator sport. He wants his kids to be actively involved in the body of Christ and contributing and reaching out and interacting with one another. Fasting shows your need and dependence on the Lord. In the Old Testament, it was combined with prayer during mourning, repentance, spiritual need, and intercessory prayer. In the New Testament, it was a form of worshiping God, seeking His favor. It wasn't a burden or a duty. It doesn't guarantee that anything's going to happen that you're asking for. It's not a bargaining chip with the Lord. But it does show a sincerity of your heart and importance of a situation at hand. Remember, we face a determined foe. We have to have a determined faith. Can't be a wishy-washy faith, right? It's got to be a faith that's exercised through trials and tribulation and hardship. And then notice right at the end of verse 2, it says the Holy Spirit. None of this can happen without the guidance of God's Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Can't take place. Impossible. The Spirit of the living God is the one who propels us forward to do those things that He has ordained for us before the foundation of the world. He knew your purpose. He knows the things that He's laid out for you. But are we in tune with His Holy Spirit? That's the key. Then it says there in verse 2, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Name Saul means desired. Paul had a desire to do the things God wanted him to do. It took him a while, we know. Right, We saw back in the beginning of Acts, he was the one persecuting the Christians, the followers of Christ. Now, he was a follower of Christ. And he just had that desire to go and tell the world or anybody in his path all about God. Do we have that desire? Remember, it's not a human desire. It cannot be conjured up. It's got to be given to you by God above and that's His will, that we all have that desire to serve Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sometimes that desire is only a prayer away, right? Just a prayer away. And notice, for the work to which I have called them. It's a calling. You're all called, the Bible teaches. And then in verse 3, then having fasted and prayed, it laid hands on them. The laying on of hands. It's a biblical action. You've seen it done here if there's an elder or a pastor ordained. 
You've seen it up here when we pray out people that are leaving the church to go to another part, another church or to another state or another country. You've seen it when we have missionaries here. In 1 Timothy 5, 22, it says, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Laying on of hands is not something that you just do. It's something that you do after much prayer. And when you see evidence of God's hand on someone's life. In 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Are you saved here tonight? Are you saved watching on the internet? If you're saved, he's called you. He's called me with a separate calling, a holy calling, ordained in heaven above. Not according to our works do we have this holy calling, but according to his own purpose, God's purpose, and the grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When? Yesterday. Last month? When you were born? Before time began. Are we walking in that calling? Are we walking in that purpose? And you might say, man, no. No way, I haven't been. That's a prayer away from you changing your direction and your course, which God calls all of us to do. Let's take a look at verses 4 through 5. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. So in verses 4 and 5, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Now, we've had people in this church, and I said we've met missionaries that we support, that you support. We've seen them up here. We've seen slideshows of them. But how about you? Are you sent out? Now, you might say, well, no, I, I just go to this church. Exactly. You're sent out to this church. That's where you're called to be right now. That's where your calling is. Now, is your calling just to receive? No. You see, they have the Dead Sea over in Israel. And the Dead Sea doesn't have an outlet. Just receives from the Jordan River. And then all the salt content in the Dead Sea just kills everything. But a real sea has an outlet. It's flowing. It's alive. We need to ask ourselves, are we like the dead sea or that alive sea? We're receiving all the time. 
But are we giving out? Are we giving out to others? That's so important in the body life of the church and also in your own spiritual health. So crucial. They went down to Seleucia in verse 4. And Seleucia means white light. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And that word Cyprus means love, a blossom. And when they arrived in Salamis, which means salt, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John Mark as their assistant. Now those areas that we just talked about, the names of them, very interesting. We talked already about one of the people saying it's white light. When a white light comes into a dark situation, it illuminates the area. We're to be those white lights. But also we're to do it like when Paul went to Cyprus. He showed love. He spread the gospel in love. And the spirit of the living God just blossomed in Cyprus. It's amazing how many of these cities and their names have spiritual significance when a spiritual person goes into those areas. Salamis means salt. And we know salt makes you thirsty. Boy, when these guys went into different places, there were Jews and Gentiles that wanted more. They couldn't get enough. Salt is a preserving agent. The Word of God preserves us. It gives us hope when everything else is crashing around us. You see, they could go into the synagogues and where they went, many times the synagogues had an open floor, an open forum. So if you were a learned person, you could get up and start teaching from the Scriptures. And boy, Saul, who became Paul, loved that. He loved taking that opportunity, having a free pulpit in the synagogues. And we see here that John was their assistant. And that's John Mark. Mark, Matthew Mark in the scriptures who wrote the book of Mark. In verses 6 and 7 it says, Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, that name Paphos, where they went, and again, you can see it up there on the map, means boiling or hot. It was a place of tremendous immorality and spiritual darkness. This was a place where they were, had a big uh, shrine to Venus. And they worshipped her there. Think of boiling and hot. The significance of those two words. Well, those people who were worshipping Venus, 
and the immorality that was attached to that, boy, they were very close to an eternity separated from Jesus Christ. And that was going to be hot. (laughs) That was going to be boiling. But God, through His grace and mercy, sent people there that they could see there was two kingdoms that they could choose from. The kingdom of the earth or the kingdom of God. And what love God has for this world that He continues to do that for people to leave the world of darkness to enter into the world of light. They found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. In this area, he was in this place where the worship of Venus was. Charles Spurgeon said of this area, neither men nor women could resort to the shrine of Venus without being made defiled in mind and depraved in character. But is that any different than what we're exposed to today in our world? Whether it be TV, movies, music, technology, whatever. Certain things can really defile our mind. Can really cause our character to be depraved even if we are believers in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important we minister to the Lord. It comes back to ministering to God. Getting to know Him one-on-one. Worshiping Him. Praying to Him. Talking to Him. Reading to His Word. We cannot minister to each other until we first minister to the Lord. Crosses and out here, but when we minister to the Lord, we can minister to one another. And there's your cross. When we minister to the Lord, we can minister to one another. Yeah, we can minister to each other before we minister to the Lord, but you know what happens? You get burnt out. Because you're doing it in your own strength. You're not relying on God. You're not doing it in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you get burnt out. But that's a wake-up call. I've been there, done that. And it's a wake-up call. You learn. You learn as you continue to grow and mature in the Lord. So Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 22 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And this guy, named Bar-Jesus, His name means son of Jesus. When we go down a little further, his name is Elymas, which means wise man in verse 8. His name means wise man. But how was he wise? Must have been wise in the ways of the world. Must have been wise in this area where they worshipped Venus and where all this sexual immorality was. Oh, he's a great guy. But he was a fool. He didn't glorify God. 
He didn't know God. He wasn't thankful. His heart became foolish. His thoughts became futile. And all the people that professed him to be wise were fools. Because they were caught up in the world system versus the kingdom of God and his biblical system. He was a false prophet, this guy. Fake news isn't new. The father of lies has been around before the Garden of Eden. Just seeing who he can hold on to. Who will buy into his ways. Who he can deceive. And notice he was a Jewish guy. And his name was Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus. Bar means son. He was a son of Jesus in name only. Dear brothers and sisters, please be careful. Don't assume just because somebody names the name of Jesus that they're your brother or sister. There's a lot of fakes out there throughout our United States, throughout our state, throughout the world. And it's going to get worse. So you individually need that knowledge of God's word so it's easy for you to see the fakes. That's so important for all of us. Verse 7, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. This guy was an important man. He was responsible for the entire province and he answered to the Roman Senate. Now, all Roman provinces were divided into two classes. One class required troops, required military. The second province, no troops. They were administered to by the Senate and they were ruled by the proconsuls. So we see here that where Barnabas was and where this important man was, was an area where there was no troops. And the Senate administered the area and the proconsul, he was in control of that area. Sergius Paulus sought to hear the word of God in an immoral, idol-worshiping area. The one who was in control was seeking to hear the word of God. Pray that our leaders, if they're not believers, would seek God's word. That goes from everybody in our state in politics to Washington, D.C., to the leaders of the world. That includes the Putins and the Ayatollah. Erdogan, all those guys that are in the news lately. Verse 11, um, verses 8 to 11. But Elymas, the sorcerer, 
for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Elemis, the wise man, now is being confronted by his creator. Notice in verse 8, he withstood Barnabas and Saul. What was he withstanding? He was withstanding Sergius Paulus hearing the word of God. He was trying to stop that. And he's called right here, son of the devil. The Bible says that you have a father. It's either Father God or the devil is your father. Right in Scripture. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your father is God. If you haven't made that decision yet, your father is the devil, is Satan himself. Now, there's characteristics that a son of the devil or a daughter of the devil shows. And here's some of them up on the PowerPoint. They try to turn people away from God and his word. They're full of deceit. And breaking down that word deceit, they're very crafty. They're very deceptive. It's not in your face. There's something, maybe just a word or two that they throw in there to try to get you, as a believer, off course. We saw it with Satan's M.O. in the Garden of Eden with Eve. Full of fraud with an intent to deceive others. That's their goal. That's what they're trying to do. They're an enemy of righteousness. Righteousness is a condition that's acceptable to God. It's His integrity, His virtue, His purity of life, God's way of thinking, God's way of feeling, God's way of acting. Well, enemy of righteousness doesn't want any of that to happen, right? They want just the opposite. And then a son of the devil perverts the straight ways of God. He distorts them and twists them. Remember, God's ways are not our ways. And if our ways aren't lined up with God's Holy Spirit, then it's going to be lined up anti-God and it's going to be a twisted way. We see that in all the sin legislation that's being passed in our country today. Halfway through my teaching year of 44 years, you couldn't pray in school. You couldn't uh, talk to, uh, to the kids about Jesus. 
You could do it after school in a Christian club. You could do it if a kid asked you a question. But they didn't want to mix. The big reason was they said you can't mix church and state. Boy, what a farce and lie that is. Because that's exactly what they're doing now. They're taking biblical things and making them political things and legal things, and they're legalizing sin. But God has called you and me here on this planet for such a time as this, to be the light in a dark place. A loving light who prays, seeks God, and loves the people that are brought into our path. We see in the verse that Saul, who is called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looked intently at Elymas or Bar-Jesus. And he said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Verse 11 and now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And I believe Paul, when he was uh, talking to him, Paul had already spent time with the Lord. I believe he loved this guy. I believe the same way the Lord blinded Saul on the road to Damascus. And remember Saul and Paul, the same guy here. He was hoping this would happen to Elymas. That as a result of being blind physically, he would spiritually see. Because that's what happened to Paul. Paul had physical sight until it was taken away. And then he started seeing spiritually. Usually the physical state is reflected in the spiritual state. Here we see darkness not only outside for this man, but also inside. And God wanted him to see the light. He had an opportunity with that pro-counsel to hear God's word and have his spiritual blindness removed. And notice uh, immediately a dark mist fell on him and, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. You and I need to lead people by the hand to the cross. Need to lead people by the hand to Jesus. To need to lead people by the hand to the empty tomb. To lead them by the hand to the scriptures. That's what we're called to do. In verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done. He being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. His spiritual blindness was cured because he sought to hear the word of God. And he received Jesus at his, at, as his Lord and Savior. I don't know if you ever heard of this fellow named Sir William Ramsey. He was a Scottish chemist who won the Nobel 
Peace Prize in chemistry in 1904, and he died in 1916. He had reported that inscriptions bearing Sergius Paulus' name were found on Cyprus, confirming that he was a Christian, and his entire family became Christians. How cool is that? That is so awesome. I'm going to show you one more slide here. And then we're going to finish with a, a 30 second uh, video. Title of the message tonight was Abandon All for the Call. Do you and I love God? To what degree? Do we honor God? To what degree? Do we hear and obey His voice? You see, if we're willing to abandon it all for the call of Christ Jesus, we're going to love Him deeper, we're going to honor Him more, we're going to hear Him better, we're going to obey His voice. You have to be a person willing to go or do, even if no one follows. With Jesus, you have the majority. Amen? You don't need a hundred people. Shouldn't be looking for any applause, no fame, no gain, and notice up there, no pain. There might be times you're going through tough times and pain. But it's a hard attitude. Remember Job, though you slay me, I will trust in you. Can you say that? Can I say that? Are you wholly devoted are you at the point in your life where there's no turning back? It's Jesus and nothing else. It's just Him and me. Will you follow Him more intently after we go through this 12 verses of Acts 13? Will you follow Him harder? He's calling you. It doesn't matter of your age. It doesn't matter. Your eternal beings. You're eternal. He's calling you. You can't say, well, he didn't call me in my 20s. Well, if you're 30 and he's calling you now, that's okay. Well, he didn't call me in my 50s or 60s. That's okay. He's calling you now. Maybe you had spiritual earwax and he's taking it out of your ears now. Respond to him. Before I show the last uh, video, if you're here or you're on the Internet tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's real easy. You just have to admit that you've messed up, that you've sinned, that you've fallen short of God's perfect standards. We all have. No one has made it. And then you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine. But right now I'm talking to you. If you have never received Jesus, admit you're a sinner. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life. Tell him you believe that he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And that you're willing now to turn from your self-directed life to follow his life, his new life, his born-again life, his spirit-filled life. And you don't want to turn back. 
been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.